0: It's great to be back here with all of you this morning. It is Sunday, that means it's our fun day. We come together and worship our awesome God and celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Are you with me this morning? Come on. All right. Man, I pray that today is another day that kicks off a God awesome week from all of you this morning. If you're listening online, good morning to you as well. I love the fact that we have technology that allows us to Get God's word around the world that doesn't stay right here in Fort Branch. He gives us the opportunity to share the greatest message, living hope of Jesus Christ, right? Well, If you're new with us, welcome. Man, welcome to Vertical Church. We love the fact that you are here today. We hope that you uh, experience God in your life in a real way. And uh, you walk out the door like what Mike was saying earlier, that you know how much you are loved in His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, we h- pray that you uh, have a great day with us this morning. I might need new batteries, just throwing that out there. Um, well, before I get into this, morning, yeah, I'm definitely going to need new batteries. Um, if you have seen some iPads out there, I know it's been shared earlier, uh, The we have our budget vote uh, this morning. I'm a mess. Goodness gracious. Hang on a second. <laughs> We were voting for our budget this morning. Uh, you can, if Partners, go out there. If you have not voted this morning, please hit those iPads as we look to what God is doing in the 2023 budget. We'll be revealing those results tonight at the Vertical Celebration. Woo! Come on, Celebration. Yeah! Woo! Woo! That was it? Because I'm a mess doesn't I mean you guys need to be a mess. Come on. The vertical celebration. We're coming together tonight. Come on. And we're going to come together. We're going to praise God. We're going to point up and we're going to see what, praise him for what he's doing. Pause. We'll see if this works. Whew! All right. We're going to come together. We're going to sing praises of God. We're going to focus up. That's why it's called a vertical celebration. We're going to see and praise him for what he has done, what he is doing, and where he's calling to us as a church. So that door is open at 545. Be here at 6. If this you call Vertical Church your home, you need to be here. It's going to be an amazing time. If, a little hint. I didn't say it at the first service, but if you look in the corner, there's something already set up. Just saying. All right. That's all I'm saying. All right. Also. If you walk out in the lobby, if you maybe pass them on your way in, uh, you'll see some posters on the wall that has this phrase on it. And it simply says, say yes to kidsmen. Say yes to kidsmen. This idea is for you to see how you can step in and make a difference here on a Sunday morning. It's a it's a, a thrush, a push forward from our kids' ministry. And as a church, we desire to continue to invest in our children and our and our church that continue to point them towards Jesus. One of the greatest ways you can make a kingdom difference here on a Sunday morning is stepping in and serving their kids' ministry. Church, you need to understand, a thriving church, a thriving and growing church has a thriving and growing kids' ministry, right? If we didn't have kids, we didn't have young families, we'd be We'd be getting old and shutting down and getting closed. But because we continue to invest into our children and partnering with their parents to lead them all to Jesus, we are growing. Let me just share some information with you. Surveys show that of all the followers, the current followers of Jesus, less than a fourth of them gave their life to Jesus Christ after 21. That's crazy. And the older person someone gets, the number get drops even further. This idea is the younger they are, the younger we are, they introduce introduced to Jesus Christ, and it impacts their lives for the kingdom. Now, you say, okay, Rich, 21, an adult, 18, 17, 16. That's why we have our student ministry, vertical students led by Pastor Andreas, you know, that we continue to invest. The younger we can get the gospel in front of our kids, the better. Let me just show you this number. is said 86% of kids leadered, Attended kids ministry program in their faith journey. What does that tell you? That the people who are serving right now, a part of our church, investing into the next generation of kids, it impacted their lives. So we're not only listen us. We're not only impacting the next generation. That generation is going to rise up, and probably eighty-six percent of them are going to invest in the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation. Come on. That's kingdom impact. So listen, when you go out there today, you're going to see some posters. And on those posters are going to be a little QR code. And if you're looking to make a difference in this church, immediately step into Kidsman. Make a difference. And right now, this is where we're sitting at our ratios. Currently, we have one leader for seven kids. One leader for seven kids. Now listen, I have... Two boys, two kids at one point, little kids. That was hard for me to handle. I could imagine walking through with seven, all right? So we need your help to step in because our goal is to get one in five, one in five. So if you, again, if you're not serving, this is the way you step in and make a kingdom difference. Say yes to kid men, amen? amen. All right, enough said. As we move forward, we are back in the series, uh, best is yet to come. Let me just ask, last week you were given a bag, and I said you need to bring your bag to church with you for the next several weeks. Did everybody bring their bag? Who brought their bag? Oh, people are shaking their head, their, their heads are going down, looking at the floor. I left my bag on the kitchen table, all right? These bags are pivotal. If you didn't get a bag and you, from last week, you can grab one on your way out. Uh, these bags are crucial because they point to our lives, so, we walked through last week is what's in our bag makes a difference of how we live. I shared a story about packing our own lunch, right? We pack our own lunch, it means we put our, what we put in our bag, we put in it in ourselves. So, if you, if you missed last week, go back and listen to podcasts. It'll be a little bit clearer than what I just shared. But it's, it's this idea that if we continue to go through life and we put anger, and we put frustration, and we put doubt, and we put fear. We put all that in our bag. No wonder when in the morning when we wake up and our, our feet hit the ground, we start to live our day, to live our lives. We open a bag of our lives. We feel frustrated. Why? Because we put it there. We didn't let go of it. We, we feel fear. We feel doubt. We feel pain. There's some suffering, right? We keep on shoving it back in our bag. And last week, I told you to tip it over. I said, grab your old bags and start tipping them over. And I asked you to shake them because we need to get some of the stuff. And there's some stuff stuck at the bottom that we love to hold on to because we don't know how to live life without it. I said, you need to shake that stuff out of your bag. You need to shake that stuff out of your life and start filling it with the truth of scripture, the truth of who God is. And let that be what we do and how we live as children of God. You with me on that? All right, so we continue moving forward. I believe the best is yet to come. I believe the best is yet to come for our lives would be the best is yet to come for Vertical Church. I I believe this has nothing to do with rich. It has everything to do with who God is, his character, and what he has called his purposes, his goals for his glory. I believe what God's getting ready to do for his church is anything more than we can ask or imagine. I believe this because, again, who God is. And last week, we started this whole idea of talking about his power. We proclaimed the power of God. The best is yet to come because God is powerful. And one of the ways we shared his power last week is says he, he fulfills his promises. See, God is still powerful and when he re- reveals his power is by keeping his promises. And we asked ourselves a question last week. We bring things to close. And it was the very question that was on that card that you received in Genesis 18, verse 14. And the question is, is there anything too hard for the Lord? You can answer that. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Absolutely not. God is unstoppable. He can do whatever he wants for his purposes, his plan, for his glory. The best is yet to come because God is so powerful. And to set the stage for this morning as we continue to reveal who God is and why the best is yet to come, let's look at a couple verses from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, we're looking at verses 1 through 3. It says, therefore, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw it off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you would not grow weary and lose heart. Let's just stop right there. As the author of Hebrews is pulling something out, I want to know if we catch it. Did we catch what he was calling us to? See, the author of Hebrews says, we have a marked out race for us. If you have given your life to Jesus, you are a part of the body of Christ, you are a part of the church, you have a marked out race. God has marked a race for you to live, for us to follow him to see what he wants us to do. And he calls us to run it with great perseverance, great perseverance, because he knows it's going to be tough stuff. And so as we move forward, we need to look back what he did We look back to the cross. We see the one who was rejected and willingly accepted death so we could have life. And as we look to what he has done for us to give us life, we are called not to grow weary, but continue to move forward. See, God has a path. God has a plan. And we are called to follow it. Church, We are not called to sit on the sidelines when it comes to life. We are called to get in the race, the race that God has marked out for us as individuals, followers. We're not not sitting there as trophies of God's grace, sitting on glass shelves where people can look into our lives and go, ooh, ah, you look all shiny today. No, no, no. God wants us in the game, running a race, doing the work he called us to do. They marked out before. But Here's the problem about races. Well, here's the thing about races. In races, there's a, there's a beginning and there's an end, right? There's a starting point and there's a finish line when it comes to races. Every race has that. I don't think anybody would ever run a race that never ended. Would you? Listen, this body's not made for running. I don't run races anyways, but I wouldn't even sign up for one. I'm closed that said there's never a finish point. A race has a beginning and the end. And I, so I bring that back and think about our faith journey right here, our faith journey on earth. Our, our, our faith journey here on earth with Jesus, walking with Jesus, had a starting point. And there's going to be a time in our lives with our faith journey on earth ends. Why? Because we're going to be with Jesus face to face. It had a starting point. At any point on earth, we're going to be with Jesus. So I think about the church. The church has a starting point. Almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus put the church into existence and said, go make disciples of all nations. Well, the church is also going to have an end point. The finish line is when Jesus comes back. We continue to do what we're called to do until he says we're done. We have never arrived until he arrives. And then the church has finished its race. I think of vertical church. Vertical church at one point had a starting point. Someone said, hey, we need to plant a church or do a church, whatever it may be. But I also know that someday vertical church is going to have an end point. It might be 100 years down the road. It may be 200 years down the road. I mean, come on, vertical may be running her race right up to the point that Jesus comes back. We don't know. Has anybody ever heard the phrase, it's not how you start, but it's how you, okay, so you heard it, yay. It's not how you start, but how you finish. Let me ask. Does everyone in this room raise your hand if you want to finish well? All right, you're okay. Let me read this again. Raise your hand if you want to finish well while you run and you race for Jesus. Show me again if you want the church to run its race and finish well. Okay, so we're all pretty much in agreement with that, right? So here's this idea if we want to finish well, we need to know what we do in the middle. It's what we do in the middle that determines what we look like at the end. Right? It's what we do in the middle that will determine what we look like at the end. We have a starting point. We know there's a finish line, but it's what we do in the middle in this thing called life that determines what we look like when we get to the end. The problem that you and I have. And I don't think I can, I don't even think I need to say it, but I'm gonna, it's messy in the middle. Right? If you've actually ran a race, you know the hardest point is somewhere in the middle. In the beginning, you're all excited. At the end, you're like, woohoo! But in the middle, you're like, dang, I can't go one more foot. It's messy in the middle. It's the same thing for our lives. It's kind of like when you bite into a jelly donut. You bite into the donut and jelly starts flying all over the place, up in your face, down your chin, on your shirt. You're like, oh, shoot. It's messy. It's messy in the middle. The middle can be a very messy place. It's a place to sea where we feel like we can't see the other side. The middle is a place where we're not sure if we can trust the next steps or what we, what's in front of us man it's messy from a time of a hard diagnosis to a time of healing it's messy in a time where god bursts something inside of you to the time it comes to fruition it's messy in the middle when some when hurt enters your life someone hurts you said something did something the time you experience and walk away from in forgiveness it's in the middle that we don't we doubt his presence It's in the middle that we feel the hardship and wonder if he even cares. It's in the middle that we get consumed by fear. It's in the middle in this thing called life that we want to quit. Why? Because it's messy in the middle. But as I dig into the scripture, as I'm having a conversation with God, I'm inspired by his word. I believe it's in the middle where God shows up the greatest. It's in the middle where God shows up the greatest. So even when we feel God is missing in the mess, we can move forward because we understand that God is still moving. Even when we feel that God's missing in the mess, God is still moving. We may not feel it, we may not see it, we wonder wonder if he's even there, but we know he's still moving because of who God is. So we can put that in our bags. See, that's, the best is yet to come because God is still moving. And when we come to that understanding that he understands he's in the middle, we can move forward trusting what he has for us. No matter what we think, no matter what we feel, no matter what we see for that matter, God is still moving. And so our main time this morning, I want to use a few of, of God's words, his scripture to point to the Israelites and how they moved in the middle, how God showed up in their lives and revealed that he is still moving and following his lead and how that can be a catalyst for us, how that can be a catalyst for us As followers of Jesus, so if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, open up to Exodus chapter three. We're starting at verse seven. Exodus chapter three, starting at verse seven. If you grabbed an orange Bible on the way in, you can find on page forty. Page forty. I don't normally do this on a Sunday morning, but today we're going to be jumping all over the place. Just so you know, we're going to be jumping all over. In fact, in order to grasp the conversation this morning, the whole picture, you need to read the first six books of the Bible. So after service today, go have some lunch. You know, take your nap, and then get back up and read from Genesis through Joshua, and you'll get the whole idea. Yes, I said, read your Bible, all six books this afternoon, and then come back for the celebration. All right, just, I thought I'd throw that out there. Exodus, Exodus <laughs> marks the beginning of a new era for God's people, and if you read through Genesis, you can understand what Exodus, what's happening in Exodus. God was getting ready to pull them out of slavery from Egypt, and he was taking them into what he called the promised land. He was getting ready to do something amazing with them and pull them out. In fact, going back to last week, when God was revealing his promise to Abraham, to become Abraham, and and his descendants would become many and be a blessing for the generations to come, the nations to come, he actually told him that his people would be in slavery for over 400 years. And then he also told him that he was going to pull them out. Now we get to see what God is doing. So if your Bible is open, we're looking at Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse 7. It says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. So I, am, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them out into the land of good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prezites, the Hivites, and the Jesubites. Let's just stop right there. There's a lot of ites. God comes to Moses, and he's telling him, I'm going to pull my people out of slavery, and I'm going to pull them into the promised land. So, God, going to point to the back last week, he has a promise. He's pointing back to his promise, and he's going to fill his promise. But then, if you were to continue reading this afternoon like I shared, you would see in chapter 13, verse 5, he reveals it again. He reveals his plan one more time, the land of milk and honey. Exodus 33, verse 3, he tells you again. He's going to bring him to the land of the milk and honey. You open the book of Leviticus, it's in there. You open the book of Numbers, four times he tells them. I'm going to bring you out of slavery and bring you into the land of milk and honey, the promised land. In fact, from Exodus through Joshua, God says 17 times his plan. I'm going to bring my people out. I'm going to bring them into the promised land. And he tells them over and over and over and over and over again. Why? Why? Because God knows it's messy in the middle, and He knows that we need to hear these some things on repeat. So when we talk about God is moving, God is moving. Well, God is moving in the middle. He continues to show us His plan. He knows that it's in the middle of life that we doubt. Again, He wonders if in the middle, if we, if Eve even cares. He knows it's in the middle. We start asking why God. Why am I going through this? Why am I facing what's in front of me? Why am I dealing with these kids at school? Why am I, why? So again and again, he steps in and he tells us, he reassures us, he says, this is where we're going. This is what I've called for you. This is what I have for you. Listen, even when Israel rejected God, plan to bring them into the promised land. They got to the edge. They're getting ready to go into the land of milk and honey. They saw some really big dudes in there. And they're like, oh, we look like ants compared to them. And they shrunk shrunk back in fear. And God says, listen, I'm going to take you on a 40-year trip. Even when they did that, God kept on telling them what the plan was. While you're wandering, I'm still going to bring you in. And while you're wandering, I'm still going to bring you in. Friends, that's the same for us. We serve the same God. God continues to reveal his lot, His desire for us, His plan for our lives. All we need to do is open the book and read it. This is what I have for you. It's the, in it's the middle. Where we need to embrace God the most. When we read scripture, we can see that we overcome, right? We can overcome because the one in us is greater than the one who's in the world. We can face through and walk through everything, endure all things. Why? Because he's the one who gives us strength to do that. Then everything we need for life and godliness, God gives us. It's that he brings everything together, right? He works all for his good for those who love him. The whose son sets free is free indeed. We're absolutely true. Those are just a few verses of what God proclaims for your life, what he desires for you, his plan for you, and guess what? All those verses are in the middle. He knows what we need. He knows that we get all excited in the beginning, like "Oh, oh my God, let's do it, God!" And he knows at the end we're going to be like "This is amazing." But he also knows the middle is messy. In the middle of thing, life, it hurts. We struggle. We doubt. We fall down. We skin our knees. He says, "No, no, no! I want you to know the plan. Read the plan." Know the plan that I have for you. That's not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. God is still leading us. He's continuing to reveal his plan for our lives, the plan for his church, and it never, never changes. For us as followers of Jesus is to become more like Jesus and less like the world. For the church he established is to go make disciples of all nations. The best is yet to come because God is still moving. He is moving in the messy middle. He is calling us out. He's revealing his plan over and over again. And then while we're there, He's telling us, I will provide for you. I will provide for you. In the middle, God continues to show us his provisions. Not only is he calling us to remind us to where we're going, he says, I'm going to provide for you along the way. See, the Israelites experienced this. They experienced their freedom from Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. And then because of the mess in the middle They missed their mark. Instead of praising God, they started complaining about God. Look at this in chapter 16, starting at verse 1, 1 through 4. It says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day, of the second month, after they had come out of Egypt in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died in the Lord's hand in Egypt. And when they were there, there was sitting around pots of meat all day long, all the food we wanted to eat. But you have brought us out to the desert to starve, to starve this entire assembly to death. And the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people were to go out each day and gather enough for that day that's up there. Come on. God pulled them out of slavery. He bringing them into freedom. Said, I'm going to bring you into the promised land, the land of milk and honey. I don't know about you, but I don't know what milk and honey is, but it sounds pretty sweet. It's a place where I want to be. It's a place where I want to rest. It's a place where I want to hang out. He said, I'm going to do that for you. They were in the middle. They're wondering, come on, God, what are you going to do? And they started complaining. They were more satisfied for living in enslavement than experiencing God's freedom and his best for their lives. Yeah, I'd rather be over here enslaved and and told what to do. I'm going to make some bricks. Yeah, they're going to give me some food, but I'm going to be... Stop it! Stop it! God has so much more. And the freedom. And he understands it's the middle. He's got the plan and he's going to provide uh, for everything we need through it. They were complaining, they were grumbling. And what did God do? He showed up. He showed up. Said, All right, you want to doubt? Here, here's your provision. Water from a rock, man on the ground, quail falling from the sky. Because it's in the middle that we forget who God is. It's in the middle that we forget that God is the great provider. One of his names, Yahweh Yaira, God will provide. And he will continue to provide and he will always provide. He says, I'll rain down bread from heaven for you. That's the manna that he's talking about. Sometimes I think we read scripture, and I I don't think it really sets in what God is saying. Sometimes I read scripture like, okay, check, I I flip that, I go to another chapter. But we got to just dig in and see what God is doing here. God told them to go out, if you continue to read, and pick out an omer of manna a day for each person. An omer of manna for each person for each day. He says do it for six days, and the six days choose twice. Take twice as much. Because the seventh day, you're not supposed to do anything. An omer for each person. Now, Scripture, if you go back and read again, we're talking about Genesis through Joshua, there's over 600,000 men that were coming out of Egypt. Scholars believe, because it goes on men and women, 600,000 men plus women and children. Scholars believe that there is roughly 1.2 million people coming out of Egypt. 1.2 million Israelites coming out of Egypt, baby. Come on, God's got a plan. Let's go. We're all moving all together. That's a ton. That's a lot of people. You're not with me yet on this. Okay. 1.2 million people. And each omer of manna roughly weighs three pounds. Let's do some simple math. That means each day, God provided 3.6 million pounds of manna for them to eat. You're still staring at me like, that's not a big deal, Rich. Okay, let's multiply. There's seven days in a week. We can continue to do the math. That's 200 thousand pounds of manna a week. Dude, that's a lot. But we're not done. We're not done. Look at this. <laughs> 400 thousand pounds of manna a year that he provided for God's people. Someone give God some praise. I don't know about you. Can you provide that? That is our God. But we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Because here's the thing. They turned their back on God. They didn't trust in God. They didn't believe in his plan. They didn't believe in his provision. And out of fear, they didn't go into the promised land. God's like, okay, again, 40 years, baby, go wander. You see, so you know what God did? He took that number times about 40 years, and look what we have up. This is what God provided for his, ki- for his kids. 52,416,000,000 pounds of manna. You're still not with me. Okay, so let me just break this a little bit different. Let's just take... Let's just take this 52 billion and drop it into this idea of five-pound bags of flour. Are you with me on that? Raise your hand if you know what a five-pound bag of flour looks like. If not, pull out your phone, Google it. What five-pound bag of flour? All right, look it up. Five-pound bag of flour. If we took this 52 billion and broke it into uh, five-pound bags of flour. And we walked out to our front parking lot. Has anybody seen our front parking lot? Does anybody know where it's at? It's in the front. See what I did there? It's in the front. If you took that, broke that in five-pound bags, this fifty-two billion, it would completely fill our front parking lot—forty-four thousand layers high. You with me? 44,000 layers high. Our parking lot filled with manna. Friends, that is over 22,000 feet high. Is someone with me this morning? That's crazy. So what you need to do after service, go out to the front, stand in our park parking lot, look around. And look up 22,000 feet. That's how much manna God provided for his people. So I, I'm not sure if we can get that yet. So what we're going to do, we're going we're to take this a little bit different. Does anybody know what the Empire State Building is? All right, the Empire State Building, is pretty, it's a pretty big building, right? You with me on this? So if we were to take the Empire State Building, put it out there in its height. We would need to add over 14 more on top of it. 15, over 15 Empire State Buildings high is how what 22,000 feet is. You're still not with me. So after church, why don't you take out your phone, Go to kayak.com, book yourself a flight to New York City, and get out of New York City, take the train down to downtown, walk up to the Empire State Building, and look up. And while you're looking up, okay, so that's one. Now, if I had 14 top of that, that's how much God provided for his people. Thank you, one person. Come on. Well, because I know Chris was around the corner, I did it for you. Show me the next one you would. There I am. Come on. Went to the Empire State Building, got at the base, took a shot. Now, I'm not talking to the top floor, I'm talking to even the, the antenna up top, the entire height. Whose God is that? Whose God is that? Whose God is that? That's your God. And if he's going to provide that for his people, he's going to continue to provide for his people. God doesn't change, friends. So if he's calling us to run our race, he's calling us to get to the other side. He knows it's messy in the middle. He's going to provide everything we need to get there. His provision will overflow for his plan. And his plan for our lives is to make us more like Jesus, to carry us through the middle. His plan for his church is to reach people for Jesus. He's going to provide in the middle. He knows the race that's marked out for us. Why? Because it's what he's called us to do. How he's called us to live. But he doesn't leave it there. He doesn't, that's, if that, the plan's enough, the provision's enough, no, he tells us, I'll be with you. It's in the middle, God continues to show us his presence. I have the plan, I have the provision. Now I'm going to tell you, as you walk through all this, I will be with you. Moses, Moses Israelites had their backs against the Red Sea, being hunted down by Pharaoh and the Egyptian soldiers. They cried out in fear simply because they forgot who was with them. They forgot who was leading them. Look at this Exodus 14, starting at verse 11. They said to Moses, "'Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt?' Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. Come on. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. And then it goes on to say, Moses, He Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. The Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you and for you and for you and for his church. He's a jealous God. But I love how he ends this. It's not just saying there say, the Lord's going to fight for you. He's saying the Lord's going to fight for you, but in the process, you keep on moving forward. The Lord's going to fight my battles, absolutely. It doesn't say pull a lawn chair and pull yourself a sweet tea. The Lord's going to fight our battles, but he's calling us through the middle. And the whole time, he is with us the whole time he is present with his people when they went across the dry land and they had the flame in the front and the cloud in the back when he, they set up the tabernacle again you got to read the first 6 cha- first 6 books when they set up the tabernacle God's present was with his people and when they're ready to move he picked up and he came down again he was with his people not only do we have the plan not only does he provide the plan he's going to be with them through the plan. God knows it's messy in the middle. God knows it's hard for us. And we struggle. We want to quit. We want to walk out the doors. We want to stop. He said, no, no. Remember, you're not alone. I am with you. Jesus at the end of the Great Commission where he pours out and proclaims the mission of the church, he says these very powerful and life-changing words to them and to you and I. He says "As I am with you always. I am with you always to the very end of the age. God continues to reveal that he's moving in the middle because he's telling us he's always there. His presence And as his children, man, his Holy Spirit resides in us. He's within us, leading us, counseling us. I am with you. The best is yet to come. Because God is still moving. And while he's moving in the middle, the proof of this, he continues to reveal his plan. And he's pointing to his provision. And he's prom- promised his presence. And when you read your Bibles, you will see this as a pattern over and over and over in Scripture. Go to the book of Jonah, four chapters, easy read. Jonah started his race. Unfortunately, he was running in the opposite direction. God revealed his plan again to him. He provided a way to get it done, and he was always there. Joseph, rejected by his brothers, sold into slavery, thrown into prison, became the second over all Egypt, only to bring his family in and save them from the death of famine. You read his life. You see God's plan. You see his provision. And he's always present. Last week, Abraham and Sarai. The plan on repeat. He provided what he promised a child. And he was always there. We can go from person to person. Story to story. Old Testament to New Testament. We can see God's plan. We see his provision. And we know that he's present. So the question for us this morning is how do we move forward when we know and believe that God is moving but feel, if, feel as if he's missing? We believe that the best is yet to come. We understand that God is Still powerful. We understand that he is still moving, but man, it feels like he's missing. What do we what do we do? It comes down to one verse. And it's 2 Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, where Paul says simply, friends, we live by faith, not by sight. What do we do when we know God's moving, but we feel like he's but what he's missing is we continue to move forward. Because the same God in the scriptures, the same God living in our lives right now. We trust his plan. We seek his provision. We continue to understand that he is with us. We move forward by faith, not by sight. I'm sure everybody in this room has heard that phrase, seeing is believing. Friends, that's not faith. That's not faith. Faith is meant to be more than a formality, faith is meant to be more than a feeling, more than a formula. If we can explain it or break it down to a formula, it's not faith. We're only moving forward because we see it, and that's how God's called us to live. Faith is moving mountains. Faith is walking on water. Faith is trusting God with everything we move forward in life with him. Even though I can't see it, I trust that he's there. What we do in the middle determines if we will finish well. He knows it's messy. He's given us his plan. He's repeated and shown us his provision. And he's promised his presence. We just need to keep on walking the journey. By faith. Do we want to be a people? Do we want to be a church that just crawls over the finish line? Or do we want to take everything that God has given us, all that He has before us, and run the race with such great perseverance? That when we get to the other side, our arms are up and we're singing, praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. I know what in my heart what I want to do. I know how hard it is. That's why we look up. I know what God's calling us to. That's why we look up. This morning, when you leave, you're going to receive your second prayer card for the series. And the memory verse this week is 2 Corinthians 5 7. For we live by faith, not by sight. Every day, when your feet hit the ground, pull up both your cards and share that memory verse. Read them out loud. Read the scripture out loud. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Because we live by faith, not by sight. And then there's a second prayer. and It says this, God, I know. I know that's messy in the middle. I know that you're not done with me or our church. Help me walk by faith. You are moving. Even when I don't see it or feel it, help me trust in your provision and follow your lead, the promised blessings for your people and your church. As we run, the race marked out for us. Every day, if you hit the ground, pull these out of your bag, proclaim the truth, plead in a prayer, and let God lead you and this church, because the best is yet to come. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, thank you for the journey of your word. Now, sometimes we get so close we don't see how amazing how magnificent you are the majesty of what you're doing and have done for your people for generations and how you don't change and we can come to you this morning and lay our lives bare and ask you to continue to lead us I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward and if you're in this room and maybe the Something in the middle of your life that you are struggling with. That you want to experience freedom from. That you want the encouragement to persevere in or through. I'm gonna ask you to come forward and be prayed with. Come forward, be prayed over. It's messy in the middle, we need each other. That's why it's called the body of Christ. God, thank you. Thank you for always pulling our eyes up. Looking up, as your word says. Because that's where Jesus is, and that's where things are being done. Help us see it from your perspective. Help us live it through your promises and trusting you the whole way. We love you and we worship you. In your son's name I pray, amen. God bless church, have an amazing week. We'll see you tonight.